I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks for coming back for yet another club update. This time, I'm here with Jim Knight from Perform. We're going to be talking about Leicester. You've just signed Islam Slimani as we pressed record. Uh, fortunate that. Uh, very high fee. You already have strikers, but a very talented player. What do you make of this one? Yeah, we broke our transfer record for the third time in uh, in four weeks. So um, it's uh, it's an interesting signing. It's a player that we've been chasing, I think, for a little while. Someone that we've identified and had on the radar um, for a little while. He doesn't really fit our normal um, approach. Really, we we tend to sign players who are a little bit younger. He's I think he's twenty seven. Um, so he's um, not a particularly young player with a huge amount of sell on value, which is where we've tended to do most of our business in the past, apart from the likes of Shinji Okazaki, um, where we know that we've almost got no resale value because he, he was already in his late 20s, early 30s. But um, it's it's a really interesting one. I think that he obviously was kind of against leaving Sporting Lisbon for a long time. I think you see his reaction when he walked off the pitch um, after they played Benfica at the weekend. And the, the guy's in tears, so it obviously means a lot to him to, to, to leave. But maybe he feels that you know, the money is too good to turn down. And I guess Sporting are potentially in that position as well, where, you know, mid to late 20 million for, you know, they're, they're one of their best players. Um, you know, money talks, unfortunately, a lot of the time in football. And as much as we kind of, you know, we look down our noses at clubs that, that pay a lot of money on deadline day, sometimes these things have to be done to, to get deals over the line because clubs need the players and need them quickly. So, yeah, we've got the checkbook out again. And, Hopefully he fits in well. It's going to be interesting to see how Ranieri integrates him into a team which has already got quite a lot of pace and kind of striking options in it. Um, I don't know if that means Leonardo Rougeau is possibly going to leave the club now because he's going to slip another rung down the pecking order. And, you know, at the moment he's only really feeding off scraps. So it's um, it's going to be an interesting time for sure. Yeah, there was also a talk that you might be doing a double swoop. Uh, now looking less likely. What was that all about? It was, yeah, it was a weird one. So we were linked with Adrian Silva, who um, is is the midfielder from Sporting as well. So the, the idea was, and a, a lot of the Portuguese papers were running with the, the line this morning that we'd be able to get them both for around 60 million euros, um, which obviously would probably mean breaking the transfer record again within the space of 12 hours for Soleimani firstly, and then for Silva second. Um, and it all kind of seemed to, to start off quite well this morning. And there was talk of us meeting his release clause, which was eye-wateringly big. I think it was £38.5 million. So, I mean, that is you know, absolutely huge for Leicester, considering that eight or nine weeks ago, our transfer record was £9 million. 
So you're talking about four, almost five times, um, depending on how the, the Ujoa deal went with, with add-ons and stuff, almost five times our um, transfer fee. So it's um, it, seemed to, it seems to all go very quiet. And then as these things do on deadline day, it kind of petered out and all the talk was about Soleimani leaving the Algeria camp because he's there at the moment for the international game. Um, training so leaving there to, to have his medical and make sure everything's okay physically but yeah I think there was definitely interest there and obviously the the central midfield area is a, not a problem but it's certainly an area where I think Claudio still thinks we potentially need to strengthen um, particularly after the injury of Nampolis Mende as well a couple of weeks ago um, we're, we're a player light in that area and with Matty James still not kind of featuring for the first team he's still playing for the the under 23 and development squad so with with king and obviously losing kante um during the summer that's still a hole that i think we need to fill but perhaps he feels that daniel amate's performance um against swansea is good enough to to justify going into the the kind of first half of the season um until january with the resources that we have at the moment yeah, all right. Well, before we get into how, how your players will fit in now, are there any last-minute things, any incomings, any outgoings that you'd expect before the deadline closes? I think the only person could be someone like Leonardo Ujoa if um, Claudio has, has said to him, look, if we do bring in Soleimani, which obviously is, is done now, um, he is going to slip further down the pecking order in terms of strikers. And I think there's a potential for him to move on because he's already been linked away kind of several times this year. And he's a really, really handy striker for someone in the the kind of, I suppose, lower half of the Premier League, potentially top half of the championship, someone aspiring to be um, a Premier League team, but in need of a striker who's going to score plenty of goals at that level because he scored some valuable, invaluable goals for us. And he's had a massive impact on the team over the last three or four years. Um, I don't think we'd want a huge amount of money for him in today's, you know, relative terms. And we'd probably be able to 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 get the same money as we paid for him from Brighton, which I think was nine million. Um, so if there was a bid in the region of nine or ten million, which in today's market is is very much small fry, um, then I think we would let him leave um, because I really don't see him getting too much game time now that we have the options. Um, that we've brought in the summer, I think obviously striking wise, um, we're, we're pretty well stocked now. Um, and plus Jeff Schlupp will be back from injury soon as well, hopefully. So he can always act as another kind of striker impact player off the bench. If we did need someone and there was an injury within the camp. Mm. Also, I owe you a mea culpa. Uh, surprisingly, I know less about Leicester than you do. I kept thinking that Inler would get a <laughs> shot. Uh, clearly does not. He's now gone out. Uh, was that a loan or permanent? Uh, I think it's a permanent deal to Besiktas. I think it's just one of those things. I mean, we touched on it several times um, during the preseason pod, but he's just he never really made an impact. Um, I think he came in unfit um, from, from and because he didn't have a preseason. He wasn't with the club at the time, and the transfer dragged on to such a point where it was very much like Cambiasso um, the season before, where the, the the transfer dragged on so long, and obviously we then thought. Inla was going to be the direct replacement for for Cambiasso when he decided not to stay. And I think everyone had pretty high hopes and he just struggled to to get into the team because Drinkwater and Kante formed this amazing partnership in central midfield while he was getting fit for the season. Um, and then he was very much restricted to to club, um, to, to cup appearances and kind of the odd 
bit here and there off the bench. He just he never really managed to make an impact on the first team. He obviously wasn't impressing enough in training to to, to take either one of those central midfielders' places, which is even more difficult to, to get into the team, I guess, when you, you're on such a hot streak and that hot streak never really ended for Leicester, which was obviously incredible. And we talked about that loads, but he, I think he was just one of the victims of circumstance, really, that it was a, a number of things just kind of culminated at once and... He's he's made he's turned out for the under twenty ones and the development squad a few times at kind of these friendlies that that take place on midweek games and stuff and obviously that's no that's no way for him to kind of apply his trade in this country he's obviously a much much better player than that you only have to look at what he's achieved in his career to know that so uh, I think the, there was obviously no hard feelings and I think it was just a matter of trying to find him a top level club um, in another country where he was kind of prepared to go and, and play his football and obviously Besiktas have have put an offer on the table and he's um, he's taken it up. So, you know, obviously we wish him all the best, but it just it was just one of those transfers, much like Andre Kramrich, I guess, um, that just didn't work out for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that we'd already talked about Inler a lot. Now to talk about another thing we've talked about a lot, how Musa is going to fit into the side, which is now even more complicated by signing Slimani, who is the better player, obviously. How do you think that whole, that all works out up front? I know you touched on it earlier, but more specifically, who do you think fits in that starting eleven? It's yeah, it's difficult because um, obviously Musa has looked at his best. Um, well, certainly the best we've seen of him was that Barcelona friendly where he scored twice and he was playing through the middle. Um, but it's difficult to see him getting a regular starting place up front as we've just broken the transfer record for Soleimani, who is essentially an out-and-out striker himself. So he got 27 goals in the in the Portuguese league last year for sporting. Um, it's very, very difficult to see us keeping someone like that on the bench for too long. So I think Musa will probably be restricted to to um, substitute appearances or, or kind of wide play. Um, as, as we said, I mean, th- there is an option that potentially we could go to a 4-3-3. Um, that would take a little bit of um, kind of reworking and stuff in terms of the players. Somebody like Mark Albrighton um, would probably have to miss out because we're not going to drop Riyad Mahrez. But if you did go to a 4-3-3, it would allow you to play Vardy through the middle um, and or, or out wide. He, he can play a lone far out wide and we've seen him do that for England before um, quite successfully, although it's obviously not his favourite position. And as the senior player in the squad and kind of that kind of stalwart of the team, I guess, now in the sense that He's been there the longest out of some of them, um, certainly the striking options. Then it may well be that we have to find a solution that fits three attacking players um, into into the formation. Other than that, I suppose it's worth mentioning that the Champions League adds a, a real extra dimension in terms of fatigue and um, being able to cover for injuries and things. And this is one of the points I was making today that Leicester were extremely lucky through good sports science, but also through dumb luck last year. We didn't really have any long-term injuries at all. The only one we carried through the season was Matty James. Everyone else seemed to kind of get through relatively unscathed the whole season. Obviously, that helps with a a lighter workload of no European football. But now that's being brought in, you're going to have to have um, plenty of replacements ready to come in. So it may well be a case that Vardy and and Musa, for example, start a Champions League game. Um, and then it, it's it's maybe Vardy and Soleimani in the league or vice versa. So it just depends who who kind of holds up best, I guess, with the, the rigours of playing twice a week, which is not something that, you know, a lot of our players have had to do um, for a very for, for a long time because in the championship, you did have to play 46 games in a season, but obviously at a lot lower intensity. Um, that's probably the closest a lot of them have come because they weren't playing in the Champions League before. Yeah. 
All right. Well, it is going to be interesting to see how you balance both of those things. Uh, have your expectations for your season changed with these signings? I guess a little bit in the sense that um, we're probably more ambitious now, kind of looking upwards. I think at the start of the season, I kind of said anywhere around the top 10. Um, I think the calibre of signings that we've been able to bring in and the way that that's had an impact. And if you, I think if you look at, if you, you write the whole game off almost completely as, as a kind of game where we, we just look like we're still in pre-season. We've, put no kind of passing game together for the entire 90 minutes and we just got picked off um, by some sloppy defending. I think if we do manage to keep the majority of the players fit, I think now we could start to look towards a European spot again. Maybe not a top four spot, but certainly I think competing for Europa League place isn't out of the question given the quality of the reinforcements that we've brought in and the the kind of squad game that we've got now. Um, you know, like as I said on the on the roundtable um pod at the weekend, Amati almost looks like a new signing. So having him in central midfield really adds another dimension to our squad as well. And I think the way that Claudio is obviously looking at it now, he won't admit it, but I think secretly he'll harbour kind of ambitions of of staying in Europe, probably the Europa League, given how much the big guns have spent and what we're up against to try and get back into the top four, let alone defend the title. Mm. Fair enough. All right, well, thank you for taking the time out for us here. you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, just the usual kind of stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Jim Knight 88 I write for Goal.com and I'm the gaming content manager for Perform. So that encompasses sites like Soccerway and Opta and various different uh, sports media outlets. So if, if betting and gambling is your, is your uh, thing when it comes to football, then yeah, give those a follow and, and check out the content that we're putting out. Awesome. Thanks again, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.